Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. There is but one number that should be at the heart of your metrics if you are in professional sales today or you lead a team or even if you're CEO of a company. And that number is closing percentage or as some of my friends like to refer to it as conversion percentage. I'm going to give you seven ideas of how you can get that number up to 80%. It's time. Are you ready? Then brace yourself. Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. Hey, this is Bill Kasky back for another episode of the Bill Kasky Podcast. Welcome. If you have not subscribed, make sure you do. Go to iTunes, the iTunes podcatcher. I love to say that. And make sure you subscribe and leave a comment, too. I'd always love to hear what your comments are, good, bad, or indifferent. The good, the bad, and the ugly on the comment section in iTunes. I try to bring to you each week some deeper thinking around some issues that sales professionals and business owners and VPs of sales, sales leaders have. And my commitment every week to you is that I will dig into my archives of the content that I teach my clients. I have a consulting and training business. We have uh, peer groups, the 2X group, the world-class sales leader group. And so I'm in constant contact every day with sales professionals and sales leaders. And so I do hear firsthand some of the issues. One of the issues, oh, by the way, if you have not gone yet to thecaskeyclass.com, thecaskeyclass.com, and put in your email address to be notified when we're done with this. It's, a, it's about a 20-minute mini-class called High Intense Selling, and it had its origins here on this podcast about four or five weeks ago. But I've decided to turn it into a little mini-class I don't know when it's going to be done, probably sometime the first couple of weeks in May. But if you have not put in your name so that you're notified the instant it goes live, do so now, thecaskeyclass.com. Back to the content today. You know, in all of my travels and all of my experience in working with sales professionals, I find that there's one metric that a lot of people just don't measure, and that is closing rate of the deals that you propose how many of them do you close? The national average, as best as I can tell, and I, I, there is no statistic that stands out like from a nationally known research company, but my stats tell me the average closing percentage for B2B sales today is between 10 and 15%. 15% of the deals that you quote, actually you close. That seems like a very low number to me. And I believe it, but I think it should be much higher. And so in this episode, I want to give you seven ideas of how you can get that thing up to 80%. Hell, if we're shooting for a big number, 
we might just as well shoot for something that's way up there like 80%. You could say, well, Bill, shouldn't it be 100%? Yeah, maybe. But you're going to miss some things. You don't have total control over the prospect, obviously. So I'm going to give you some ideas on how you can get that number up. Is it 80? I don't know. But it's it's going to be a hell of a lot better than 15, 10 to 15%. Here's number one. I want you to have some rules. I was with a prospect the other day, and they were getting ready to go out to Salt Lake City, Utah, to deliver a proposal. They didn't have any background on the client. It was a large deal, so they felt compelled to go. They had a a couple of conversations with the, I say the client, with the prospect, but they really didn't know much. And I don't think they should go. I think that's a $2,000 trip plus the time, you know, one person's going to go if your time's worth a couple grand a day. Uh, that's a four or $5,000 expense. And they had no idea whether the prospect was going to say yes or not at the end of that meeting. They had no, they hadn't found the pain. They hadn't found the economics, which you know from listening to this are two of my critical ingredients. But I want you to have some rules. One rule might be we don't propose until we have thoroughly assessed the situation to determine whether there's any economic justification for the prospect spending any money on you or on us. So that would be one rule. Another rule is that you have to speak to the people who matter most at the client side. It could be higher level. It could be lower level. It doesn't always have to be the CEO, but you want to talk to the people who have the most to gain or lose by making the decision, either the decision yes or the decision no. That's another possible rule. I've got a client who has a rule that if he feels after the first couple of meetings, and he he does a lot of these by phone or by web prior to showing up and delivering a recommendation, if he in his heart or in his gut doesn't feel like this is a really good prospect, he won't go. Now, it's hard to assess and meter a feeling, but you know You've had it happen where you feel like, oh, this this person is really a good prospect. You just know it. In your heart, you know it. And you also know when you've been sucked into the labyrinth of an ongoing sales process that's probably never going to close, but you go because the deal is big enough that you say, well, you know what? I know it doesn't feel right, but maybe I can, maybe I can swing them when I get out there. Maybe my charm and charisma and my grace will swing them. Okay, maybe it will but I want you to pay more attention to your gut. So number one is just have some rules. Have some rules what you will tolerate, what you won't tolerate. And one of those rules should be some kind of feeling that you have as to whether this is a good prospect or not. The number two method of getting your close rate to 80% is you must do a thorough assessment. I preach on this all the time, and yet I find that it's, it's missed. And that is I want to have, and you should have, 10 to... 20 questions that you ask during the prospecting phase that will help you determine if they think this is a problem worth solving. Now, it doesn't have to be an assessment that you go out and spend 20 hours assessing, although if you're in a business where you're selling $100,000 solutions or higher big ticket solutions, then you might want to do an assessment. You might even want to sell the assessment. But I want you to do a thorough assessment. It's nothing more than taking a Google form or a spreadsheet or doc of some kind and just saying, 
what are the 20 questions that if I had the answers to, it would be a help not only to me to determine if this were a real prospect, but also to the prospect. Because a lot of times they're not clear of their situation. And if you're a sales professional today and you're operating under the under the auspices of high intent selling where your intention matters, then have the intent to be a thorough assessor. And when you are the more thorough you are, the more clear they are. Assess thoroughly, understand their pain better than they do, understand the economics of the purchase better than they do. Number 3, get all of the drama on the table up front. And by drama, I, I don't necessarily, that's probably not the best word, but get all the, all the roadblocks out in the open. If they've done business with a vendor for 12 years and you're coming in to unseat that vendor, you've got to get that on the table with the question of how are you going to tell, if you decide to move, how are you going to tell your current vendor that you've had it and that you're going to move on? That's a big question. That's a tough one. What other drama could you have? Well, you might have the drama of not being able to talk to the right people. Maybe the CEO or the, or the VP or whomever your target contact is, is not available. Or the person you're speaking with does not make him or her available. Well, that's drama. That's going to be a problem if you're not talking to the decision maker. Here's another one. If they don't really understand their circumstance and their dilemma that they have well, that's going to raise its head later in the process. That's again, that's another reason that I want you to assess thoroughly. But that's something or if they've never bought from you or a product or solution like this before. I know that a lot of software as service people, SaaS people are in the mode where they're trying to sell a cool, slick, valuable product, but the prospect hasn't purchased that thing before. And so you've got drama there. And the drama is that at some point, they're going to take this idea somewhere in the organization and someone's going to say, well, we've been able to do without this for the last 10 years. Why do we really need this now? So you've got to be prepared and ready to handle some of those objections and that drama up front, up front. Number four, I want you to detach emotionally so that you can do or say what needs to be done or said. If you are too eager and you're too attached and this deal will make your year or uh, in this case that I talked to uh, the other day about this client or my client going to Salt Lake City, he said, well, this would be a great this would be a huge logo for our website. If we got this, it would be a huge logo. You know what? I don't really care. Now you're attached. You're of no value to your prospect when you're too attached to the deal. So when you are detached, you can do or say what needs to be done or said. Now, I'm not saying detach in an unhealthy way. We talk about that in in the high intent selling work. In fact, I talk about it on the Caskey class. So if you forgot, it's thecaskeyclass.com. It's a a cool little 20 minute video where I talk about that. I want you to be involved, but I don't want you to be enslaved. A lot of times we are enslaved to the customer's reaction or to a customer or prospect saying yes. Number five, concentrate on a full pipeline. You have to do your work in terms of lead generation, full pipeline, prospecting, business development, social media, whatever that means for you. Because it's a lot easier to enforce your rules, to get the drama on the table up front, to detach. The first one through four are a lot easier to do if you have a full pipeline. 
if you have 30 people in your pipeline and you have a, a move you have to make on a prospect because they're not behaving properly, it's easy to make when you got 29 other people. Hard to make when you have three. So concentrate totally on a full pipeline. Number six, get your intent right. High intent selling. My intent is to create the environment where my prospect can sell me on why they need what I have. If your intent is wrapped up in your quota and how much money you're going to earn and how proud your VP of sales will be if you land this one, if that's where your intent is, it's way too low. Low intent is where it's all about you and your company and your revenue. High intent is where it's all about them. If you're operating from a position of high intention, high intent, then you will, again, have less fear, have less anxiety. You'll be able to do and say what needs to be done and said. High intent. Get your intent right. That will help your closing percentage. And number seven, creative touches throughout the process. I haven't really talked about this that much But I heard a story the other day where a guy in one of my trainings had a friend who was looking for a pickup truck. And he had uh, talked to someone in Louisville. We're in Indianapolis, so a couple hours away. He had talked to three or four dealers here in the city. He had also talked to a guy in Louisville who had a truck similar to what he wanted. And after the conversation, the salesperson sent this person a video about a two-minute video where they showed the lot. They showed a couple of the trucks on the lot. He shared his appreciation for calling. He welcomed him to come down to Louisville to look closer and to take a test drive. And he just really appreciated the call. And what did the guy do? The guy ended up buying a truck from the dealer in Louisville. He had to drive by 10 dealerships, probably more than that, on the way from Indianapolis to Louisville. But because that salesperson had reached out via video and had done just a little bit extra, just a, just a tad extra, it was a creative way to keep the process alive. You can do the same thing. It doesn't have to be video. It doesn't have to be audio. It could be a, an article that you wrote. It could be a link to a video you've already done on LinkedIn. It could be something that creatively touches the, those people in the process all the way through the process itself. Don't rely just on cold emails. You could even send a, a note card, a personalized note card. You could send a personalized video. There's all sorts of platforms. Covideo.com is one. But there's a lot of platforms that you can create videos and send them to prospects. So just think about how can I creatively touch these people all the way through the process so that you engage them at a slightly different level. So those are my seven. If you do those seven things, some of them are mindset issues, number four and six, that where I talk about detachment and intent. The others are a little bit more tactical, a little bit more action-oriented. But if you do those seven things, I can almost predict your closing percentage will go way up. Will it go from 15 to 80 overnight? Probably not. Because you'll need to work on your assessment. You'll need to work on your rules. I encourage you to do that. But if you do those seven things, I can predict for you and I can promise you your closing percentage goes way up. And it should be up high. Now, it also may mean you're not quoting as many people. But that's okay. Because why would I want to quote 85 people or 100 people and only get 15 of them. That sounds like a massive, colossal waste of time to be calling on people and sending proposals to people who are not going to buy. 
everybody's always talking about time management and productivity analysis and how much time do you spend and what's your time worth and the 80-20 principle and all that, I say, just understand the metric of closing percentage. And when you understand that you're spending 85 to 90% of your time with people who are never going to buy, that should awaken you. And if you do these seven things, I can promise you that you're, you will have a sales conversion or closing percentage that will soar. Once again, you can go to the Caskey class. Get ready for it, man. It's a video training. It's a, I call it a mini class. It's called High Intense Selling. Uh, we're going to have it ready here in the next couple of weeks. Go to thecaskeyclass.com, sign up. I think you need to put in your email address, not even your first name. But we'll uh, get that to you the instant it goes live. So uh, once again, I'd love it if you commented on this podcast, subscribe to it, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. If you want more Caskey, go to BillCaskey.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe, too.